Welcome to MoneyWeb at Midday, the actuality news show, offering unique insights and in-depth analysis, featuring South Africa's top business leaders, newsmakers, and analysts for today's professionals. Your host, Jeremy Metz. Live every weekday at noon, then up as a podcast. This is MoneyWeb at Midday. I'm Jeremy Maggs with 30 minutes of Express News on developments here in South Africa and around the world, including interviews with business and political leaders, prominent newsmakers and top commentators. It's Thursday, the 7th of December, coming up on the program, a blow for the ANC as a leading veteran calls it quits, citing endemic corruption. We'll examine South Africa's battered vehicle market. Now that the NCOP has passed the NHI bill, what is next as opposition mounts? And there's a new fraud warning out today from ESCOM. The power utility is warning customers not to fall prey to cheap electricity advert scams on social media. Joining us now is Daphne Mokwena, who speaks for ESCOM. And firstly, can you explain how these scam adverts are typically operating? Basically, they will be on social media, as explained, either on X, which previously known as the tweet, or they will be on Facebook and advertising that they are selling these units at obviously a cheaper rate. For an example, 600 units, you would get them at 300 rands or 2,000 units for 400 rands. And they will then ask the customers to then deposit their money. But before then, they will then give them, when the customer obviously show an interest, they will then give the customer the 20-digit the number. And you would know that, but with less three numbers, you would know that when, we, when a customer buys a token or a credit token from ESCOM, they will get a 20-digit number, but in four. So in th- in this instance, they'll get sort of a 17, for an example, digit number. Mm. And once they've deposited the money, then they are being promised that they will get the last three digits, which obviously, once they have paid their money through either cash send or e-wallet, then the customer will be sent to the last three numbers, but they would not be a match or a, a something that they can use mm. to credit their meters or sometimes the scammer would not even respond at all and or be traceable to that particular customer. Right. Are you able to tell me how mm. widespread the scam is and whether you know how many people have been caught? All that we know that you know on Facebook we normally see them and we just obviously were worried about that and followed up you know with these uh, scammers and found that Indeed, there are customers that are responding to them. What impact is this having on ESCOM? For the mere fact that the customer doesn't get to get that credit token, unlike your, you know, I'm sure you are aware of what we call the ghost vendors. Mm. You you can call these ones ghost vendors as well, but the difference is that with these ones, the digit never gets to the customer. So we've got those that the digits or the, the credit token does get to a customer or get sold to a customer. For an example, you would get, uh, they call them the buy one and get two free, something like that. 
but obviously you'll get more credit than what you'd ha- have bought you know, compared to what you'd have bought if you'd have bought legally from ESCOM. So in this case, obviously the customer doesn't even benefit anything. But the fact that um, we are worried that obviously the poor customers or unsuspecting customers, obviously they are affected. And obviously for us, it also has a reputational impact on us because the unsuspecting customers may think that it is ESCOM that is actually selling them these tokens, whereas it's not. That's too But obviously, you know, you can just imagine a customer, the last hard end cash that, you know, he would have probably Mm. uh, saved. And then the next thing, obviously, he can't buy electricity. So he would be staying without electricity. And that can also lead customers, you know, to, you know, go to these other ghost vendors, you know, to go and do some, I mean, you know, the the ones that I spoke about initially, where you do get the token. Let yeah. me ask you this question. If someone falls prey to the scam, do they have any mm-hmm. recourse? They don't have any recourse because, remember, they would have done this uh, transaction with this uh, unknown person from the other side. And unfortunately, as as I said, that then these people, you can't trace them. And unfortunately, what uh, we have found out is that even the SIM card or whatever that they would have used for you for the cash send, that then you can't even contact that number any longer. So there's no basically recourse. And unfortunately, when they come to ESCOM, we can't assist them because we've got, you know, our own um, platforms where customers can basically, or platforms that customers can use, or vendors, for an example, that customers can use legally so to, to purchase their credit tokens. All right, Daphne McQuenna from ESCOM, thank you very much indeed. You're listening to MoneyWeb at Midday. Now, you'll be aware that overnight the National Council of Provinces passing the National Health Insurance Bill, but expect resistance from business, some in the healthcare sector, as well as opposition parties. From the South African Medical Association, we're joined now by its chairperson, Dr. Mvuisi Mozukwa. Dr. Mozukwa, welcome to you. You say that it's unfortunate it's been passed, the bill, by the uh, NCOP without taking into account uh, any information or uh, contribution from uh, the South African Medical Association. Are you feeling sidelined as a result of this? Good morning to you, uh, uh, Jeremy, and to your listeners. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, uh, we are disappointed and also we're deeply concerned because we thought, uh, you know, um, the National Council of Provinces would listen to those that are in the coal phase um, who are raising issues one or not uh, uh, partisan in their approach who are coming with, you know, um, o- o- what we feel uh, is going to assist, you know, with, with uh, improving the healthcare system in the country. But that's not what we 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 saw last night. We saw MPs uh, who are really, I don't think, interested um, in 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 taking, you know, the healthcare uh, uh, forward. And I hope all of them then have already resigned from the medical aids and the permit that they are using because it looks, you know, for solidarity with the poor, I'm sure that they've all resigned by now. 
I hear you saying that very cynically, and I doubt that is going to be the case. I'm interested <laughs> to know what your principal concerns are. If I read uh, what you've said in the past, you're worried about governance, you're worried about corruption, you're worried about human resource shortage, and you're also worried about infrastructure issues. Does that about cover it? And if so, what are you may mostly concerned about? You know, Jeremy, uh, when it comes to a healthcare system, there are about six pillars of healthcare system. And if you uh, you will recall in this country that we've been concerned about leadership and governance, you will recall the utterances by the uh, former uh, health ombuds, uh, Professor William Mahoba, uh, uh, lamenting the state of uh, uh, governance and leadership in the country. And you will recall also that we've got a challenge of uh, shortages of healthcare workers uh, this was uh, uh, agreed or, or it was uh, mentioned by the minister in parliament that there's a dire shortage of doctors in the country. And also, you you know, the nursing story as well is the same. Uh, on top of that, you've got dilapidating hospitals. Again, the minister was saying they need, need about 200 billion rents to uh, 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 build hospitals. Then we get the minister of finance who publicly told everyone in South Africa that there is no money for the NHI. So um, uh, it's not like we, we are we're talking something out of you know, nowhere. Mm. What, it, it, this is what government themselves have been telling the public. So we've been raising these matters so that you know, we don't just blindly go and vote, you know, but we know exactly what the problems are and we can easily say, you know, let this bill be taken back and the issues be identified and, take, and taken forward. Dr. Mazukwa, overnight, the African National Congress saying that NHI is, and I quote, an unstoppable train. Uh, there's also been suggestion that it could be up to 15 years before any of this is implemented. Um, I've got two questions for you. One, do you think that this is a political play ahead of the election next year? And secondly, do you think that your opposition to this is now a waste of time? Well, um, I've already said that long time ago that I think uh, this is just uh, electioneering. We know that uh, the governing party has, has uh, what the governing party has done in the country. Uh, I will tell you about an example that I always put before them. There's the Eastern Cape and the villages, and I'm sure other villages in other provinces, they, they have no water whatsoever for more than 300 years. They've been promised by the same government, you know, to say they'll be having water, they vote for, there is nothing. Mm. Uh, secondly, yes. Secondly, look at the timing of the, this, the, this adoption of the bill. They have nothing credible that they can offer to the, to, to the South African society, All, uh, only to just use healthcare. Uh, you know, to as 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 uh, you dangle healthcare as if you know they they can achieve that. They don't have money to achieve that. Secondly, coming to your 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 second question, um, we really as, as as the South African Medical Association, we take ourselves as an important stakeholder in healthcare. Uh, we know that governments change. We know that even if we're sidelined by this government, another government will take our input seriously because we're not only a local player, we're also an affiliate of the World Medical Association. So we don't uh, depend on the South African government for relevance. So what are your next steps now, if in fact you can do anything? 
Um, our next step, you see, the on the eighth, on on the eighth and the ninth, that is Friday and Saturday, the the board of directors of Sama will be sitting down looking at this uh, uh, these these new developments. So it is after we have met as the as as the board of directors that we are going to come up with the new strategy because you recall that we 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 had a petition that has had. Uh, or uh, more than 70,000 uh, signatures, you know, to the NCOP. I thought that was very significant, but we're not going, I don't think we are going to waste our time writing to the president. Uh, um, other issues that we may explore is joining forces with those that would be challenging part of the, 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 the part of the, the, the bill, you know, uh, in the courts of law. So do you think inevitably this is going to end up in court? There's no doubt about it. Uh, we are not only the ones concerned; it's um, uh, a private sector, the, the the business entities. You know, um, they've they've already indicated that uh, without the review and the revision of of, of, of sections of this bill, it, it's inevitable they'll have to take it to the court of law. Is there a united opposition as far as this is concerned, do you think? Again, I mentioned earlier that uh, there are those in business, in other words, the medical the medical aid schemes that are concerned, the healthcare sector of from where you're speaking from, and, uh, and also opposition parties. Are, is there a sense that you will now come together to mount a more substantial challenge in this respect? It is very much possible, though, I, like I said, the board of directors is still going to consider it, but it's very much possible that we may want to join forces with others while, you know, of the same mind. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Mvuyisi Mzukwa, who is chairperson of the South African Medical Association. MoneyWeb at Midday, for all your up-to-date stories. So as far as optics and sentiment goes, this could not come at a worse time for the African National Congress. Mavusa Msimang, the deputy president of the Veterans League, has resigned from the party after more than 60 years of service. And his letter is nothing short of eviscerating. Listen to this expert from or excerpt from... For several years, he says, uh, the ANC has been racked by endemic corruption with devastating consequences on the governance of the country and the lives of poor people, of whom there continue to be so many. So what impact is this going to have on the ANC? With us now is commentator Livian Dow. And firstly, how significant then, in your opinion, is this resignation? Well, I think it's coming at a time when... um the ANC is facing its own challenges and it's coming at a time when most people expected um, Mavuso and um, some of his leaders in the Veterans League to provide leadership on matters of morality in the ANC. He's one person who has been very vocal about issues uh, relating to corruption and uh, good governance in the ANC. At the same time, it is coming at a time when um, the ANC and other political parties are um, focusing on elections. And uh, the issues that he raises are the issues that most people have always been worried about in the ANC. So it leaves a dent uh, on the ANC. Mm -hmm. And in my view, as the ANC goes out to do door-to-door campaigns, they'll also have to answer why there are members of the ANC who are actually leaving the party. 
Now, it was interesting to see this morning that the Secretary-General of the ANC accused the veterans of, and I quote, decampaigning the party. What do you think he means by that? Well, I think he could be talking about members of the ANC and in the main Veterans League who are quite vocal um, in the public space about what they are not happy about in the within the ANC. And my sense is that he could be saying that whatever concerns they have, they should actually raise them within the structures of the party or maybe in closed doors, meetings or sessions with the ANC so that they shouldn't do that uh, publicly. Unfortunately, when you are in leadership positions, every little opportunity that comes uh, that you have to interact with journalists or media people, they'll actually have to ask you questions where you're supposed to be uh, providing answers and specifically on issues that would be uh, very touching on the runnings of the ANC. At the same time, you have those that are not happy with what is happening in the party and they feel that they need to openly speak about them so that action has to be taken as fast as possible. That response um, from Fikili Mbulula saying that uh, complaints must be dealt with in the structures of the party is obviously the standard response whenever any criticism is raised internally. But I am wondering to myself whether a high-profile resignation like this firmly puts the veterans on a collision course with the mother party. Well, I think to a certain extent it does. But at the same time, you need the ANC that should be prepared for any form of criticisms and views that are raised so that when they have to do self-correction, they should also be aware that there are people who are not scared to openly raise issues of concern with the ANC. At the same time, you also have issues that relate to protocol that um, one would say the most right thing to do would be to raise issues within the structures of the organization because in every organization there are ways and means in which issues have to be spoken and to be raised. So either way, they could be correct. But another aspect that in my view we need to look at would be maybe there could be a lot of frustrations that uh, some leaders are actually getting because they might be raising these issues within the structures and they see nothing happening. And the only option they have will be to go out publicly and raise such issues. But another area in my view that we need to look at would be what will be the best option for members of the party to do when they are not happy? Do they have to leave or they actually stay on and ensure that uh, their concerns are being raised mm-hmm. within the structures of the party. Because some would argue that um, if you resign from the party, some would uh, regard you as someone who has given up, who is helpless, and uh, instead of solving the problems, you actually run away. There is something of a trend starting to develop, though. In mid-October, the former president, Thabo Mbeki, said, and I quote, nothing has happened to renew the ANC. He went on to say the party's renewal project has been all talk and no action. I'm wondering if we're likely to see similar moves from other well-known senior figures within the ANC and possibly even resignations. I think it is important to 
take the views of former President Mbeki very seriously because um, he does that from a very well-informed position. He has been given the responsibility by the ANC to lead the renewal project of the ANC. So whatever he says on matters of renewal should be taken very seriously because he has been directly involved in this project. But another uh, area in my view which might appear to be frustrating is that there is a lot of talk and people that are mentioned in corrupt activities, especially the Zondo Commission, and they're still there in the leadership of the ANC. And I think those Mm. are some of the issues that um, could be frustrating on the members of the party. And I think it is time that um, certain individuals have to take personal responsibilities and act in a manner that is acceptable in order to save the ANC. And whether or not that's going to happen, of course, remains to be seen. Uh, Levy and Dow, thank you very much indeed. MoneyWeb at Midday, for all your up-to-date stories. 12 months of high lending rates and inflation coupled to lower household income have meant that South Africans can't afford big-ticket items, and one of those big-ticket items are automobiles. Fourth quarter domestic new car sales are down. I'm in conversation now with Michael Mabasa from the National Association of Automobile Manufacturers. Michael, a very warm welcome to you. How much trouble is the car market in right now? Well, we can describe it safely, Jeremy, as under pressure, uh, no doubt about that. I think we've seen uh, a lot of customers uh, not um, processing their uh, you know, um, uh, trade uh, in relation to buying of new vehicles, particularly because the fourth quarter of every year um, you know, is a very, very clear indicator because that's when a lot of people know that they're receiving or at least anticipating to receive bonuses uh, and that's why they can then be able to make uh, decisions to buy new vehicles. We've seen in October, November, and of course the first week of December, uh, a very, very depressed uh, market where uh, many of those um, uh, are not coming through. Um, and I think also some of the challenges we have also in our logistics uh, space in terms of our exports, because we export a lot of vehicles out of the country. And because of the logistic challenges we have at Transnet, uh, the movement of some of those vehicles out of the country has been constrained. You also have very jittery manufacturers in South Africa right now, and notably Volkswagen, for instance, that uh, sounded uh, relocation concerns if the current uh, logistics and electricity crisis remains. Absolutely. And that view by Volkswagen is not necessarily their own. Uh, it's a commonly held view across the industry because, remember, uh, these companies are investing massively in the manufacturing process in the country um, and obviously when we have challenges like we want I mean the ones we have in South Africa um, you know they they obviously have to then look at uh, other alternatives but we are very pleased Jeremy that uh, despite the challenges we have in South Africa today um, you know many of them have uh, stayed the course many of them have also uh, indicated that they will continue to invest in the country and they also now want to work with government closely so that they can be able to see how they can be able to also add value in supporting government uh, in resolving some of the uh, persisting challenges that we see. Which leads to my next question then. When you engage with the government, and for that matter, the individual manufacturers themselves, what are you specifically asking for and how do you see that cooperation amplifying in order to appease an industry that you've just told me is under pressure? 
Well, look, I think, you know, South Africa is not short of very good policies. We've got fantastic policies, uh, but unfortunately we've got wrong people to implement uh, many of the policies that we have in government. Uh, the capacity of the state is, is undoubtedly extremely weak, um, and we are raising this particular matter, you know, persistently with government that, uh, you know, until we get the right people in, uh, in the right jobs, uh, the challenges that we have, unfortunately, will not go away. Um, and I think that's the best, I mean, that's the biggest, uh, you know, uh, issue we are raising with government. The second one, uh, Jeremy, it's really around the speed at which government is also putting on the table uh, policy reforms. Because remember, the automotive industry is now on the verge of its transformation path globally, not just only in South Africa. We are now moving away from the production of internal combustion engines into new energy vehicles in the future. And the world is moving at an aircraft speed uh, in terms of that particular evolution. And South Africa, unfortunately, our pace has been absolutely disappointing and pedestrian. And, um, you know, we, we, we're pushing quite very hard uh, for government to also move at the same pace. Uh, because if our counterparts in China, in the Europe, uh, you know, European Union are moving faster than we are, uh, naturally, all these multinational corporations are definitely going to be posturing in the manner in which Thomas Schaefer from BMW, I mean, from uh, VW mm. indicated a week ago. Which um, illustrates to me why you were so concerned about a delay on the new energy vehicle policy, which was uh, announced by the finance minister. We're only going to hear about it in February, March next year, if I read correctly. Yeah, absolutely. So the Minister of Trade and in, in Industry has obviously announced the white paper on Monday, which is a very good step in the, in, the, in the right direction. Obviously, the devil is still in the detail. We're still waiting for the guidelines and regulations uh, to come through in February next year. And then, of course, the Minister of Finance, as you correctly pointed out, to also confirm the fiscal support and the fiscal framework that government is going to be uh, supporting this white paper. Because it's one thing to put a white paper on the table, but if it's not supported with a strong uh, fiscal policy, uh, obviously it's obviously going to be uh, talk. So we're waiting uh, with bated breath for the Minister of Finance uh, to give us a very clear indication um, you know, in February next day in terms of how uh, the budget is going to be addressing some of the policy choices that we've seen the minister announce on Monday. Let's move from policy choice to purchase decision uh, against the backdrop of these fourth quarter numbers. Are people buying down when it comes to vehicles or are they simply, as you earlier indicated, uh, postponing? Or are they moving to the second-hand market? Well, look, we've seen a different permutation of how consumers have been behaving. Obviously, a lot of uh, customers... Um, you know, in and in, in households, um, you know, have two vehicles in their household. Many of them are selling one vehicle and remaining with 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 the other. Uh, those who have been making purchasing decisions for new vehicles have absolutely postponed uh, their decisions. Remember, we are now moving into the festive season, and what we've seen, if you take for an example, our bulk buyers, like for an example, your rental companies, uh, this is the time where many of them actually refleet. Uh, so that they can be able to anticipate and prepare for the festive season. That particular purchasing uh, behavior has been absolutely subdued in the last couple of months, and we've not seen uh, some of those orders mm. coming through uh, as quickly as we would ex- expect, which also also indicates that uh, the, the market is absolutely under, under strain. Just a final question. There was an uptick in exports, but uh, you would be increasingly concerned, no doubt, about the ongoing backlog at uh, Durban. 
Absolutely. And we've been obviously uh, confirming quite very firmly that the, 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 the Devon port in particular continues to be a very massive risk for South Africa. We need to dilute uh, and de-risk the Devon port. South Africa has more than uh, you know, six ports that we can be able to rely on. We're three of those in the Eastern Cape, and we're really now talking to government so that we can really be able to redirect some of the traffic from the Devon port into the Eastern Cape. And we've now obviously called for government to uh, look at the South Corridor between Gauteng and the Eastern Cape so that we can be able to rechannel uh, most of that traffic into that particular rail railway line, which is already existing. We just need to recalibrate it, refurbish that line, so that we can be able to get more vehicles uh, back on rail. Because unfortunately, currently, Jeremy, if you go and stand on the N3 between Houting and Deben, um, you'd be shocked in the number of trucks that are now moving uh, between these two uh, cities. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to come back onto the rail. And I think the Eastern Cape is definitely our best option uh, going forward. Don't worry. I certainly have evidenced uh, that uh, pressure on the road. Michael Mabasa from Namsa, thank you very much indeed. Uh, just before we go, one other story to bring you. Miners at the Wesizwe Platinum flagship uh, Bakubung Mine have entered a second day of what the mining company is deeming an illegal sit-in. Let's hear now from the representative from the National Union of Mine Workers in Rustenburg. The regional chair, July Khadibi, who sent us this voice note. The National Union of Mine Workers um, can confirm that uh, there is a sitting uh, underground at Bakubum Mine um, that started yesterday. Workers are still underground. Um, it's 250 um, workers who are NUM members who are unhappy over the issues of um, uh, wage negotiations that have not happened and the company is threatening to issue section 189 and at the same time they have, they have advertised a positions uh, for top management and the workers are unhappy about this and they are asking themselves why is the company issuing section 189 while it also um, hiring top management and at the same time they have not dealt with the issues of uh, wage negotiations that 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 are supposed to happen so that is what has angered the workers um, uh, at Bakubung mine and uh, that is what led to the situation that is currently happening where there's a sitting underground um, so, so we can confirm that uh, those those uh, those 250 workers are NUM members. And just one other story on our radar screen at this time. The United Nations Secretary General saying earlier today that Gaza is now facing a severe risk of collapse of the entire humanitarian system. MoneyWeb at midday. We are live at noon weekdays and then immediately up as a podcast. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Listen to the daily live stream of MoneyWeb at midday or download episodes on moneyweb.co.za, the MoneyWeb app, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or follow MoneyWeb News on social media for more updates. MoneyWeb. Your trusted source for business and investment insights.